This is so disappointing. Now that's you a see, shoe. You see this? This yeah. isn't a shoe. This is disorder. No, that that's this a is shoe. size size ten chaos. Uh, size eleven. Order is the barrier that holds back the flood of death. Eleven and a half. We must all day. of us on this train of life remain in our allotted station. We must each of us occupy our preordained particular position. Yeah, I, I make podcasts. Would you wear a shoe on your head? No, I wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't wear feet. a shoe on your head. A shoe doesn't belong on your head. A shoe belongs on your foot. A hat belongs on your head. I am a hat. No. You are a shoe. You're Tilda Swinton. I belong on the head. No. You, you belong on the foot. You belong yes, on the so it screen. Is. So it is. We watched Snowpiercer for Snubba-Lubba-Dub-Dub, so you know what that means. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. You know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste like. You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. It was Professor Plum. I said Plum. The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. We're going to pass for the start of the Bernoulli Convergenator. If he puts a car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland, and my guest co-host this week is... I'm trying to figure out what uh, item of clothing I would be. I wouldn't be a shoe or a hat. Maybe a bra? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm your wife. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, Haley. Uh, so we are talking about Snowpiercer, which was our favorite movie of 2014. Yes. And no this, one really saw it. <laughs> no, even even when it first came out, barely anybody saw it. Like we saw this on one of our like first dates together. Yeah. And I feel like there was barely anyone in that theater. <laughs> well, we also saw it at like a midnight screening. Yeah. Or like eleven thirty. We went to a really late show. Yeah, we did. Um and usually we saw it at the and Historic I, Coolidge Corner. And I was like, Snowpiercer. Like, you, I don't remember you telling me really anything about it. I you think all I said is it has Tilda Swinton and Chris Evans. And, and I was like, sold. Yeah. Um. So Snowpiercer is a film by Bong Joon-ho. Who the man who brought us... Uh, the host. The host and... Um, Okaja. Okaja, which... That is I a disturbing still, movie. I am still traumatized to this day. <laughs> why why do you, you want a list long list or the short one um medium no no uh, i i can't even go is through it jake the list. is That's it jake gyllenhaal cutting the pig making the pig cry and eating it no <laughs> well yeah but no <laughs> anyway uh, moving on so uh if you notice there's no real echo we have new mics yes yeah. Ones that I can hold because, as you know, I have a really, really hard time. Hold it like still. a rock star. That it's fun doing it this way. Yes. Uh, you're holding it like Oprah. I am. Yeah, yeah. You're holding it in front of your face. Like Everybody, that. look under your chairs. <laughs> so. Um, no, seriously, look under your chairs. So th- there are two I reasons. I think Stella might have pooped under there. Stella's been pooping everywhere. She has. She's, <laughs> she's a poop machine. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's an adorable, adorable poop machine, and she's sleeping next to me right no, now. No, she she looked at you, and she she gave you a look. But yeah, uh, so Snowpiercer came out in 2014, and for me, this was like a perfect movie. I, I w- Yeah, I was about to say, this is like a perfect film. Yeah. It's a perfect dystopia. And it's a perfect snub. Um, but that's not the main reason why I picked this. Oh, yeah, that's this. right. We're seesawing between movies that were snubbed and movies that were... We? You did not have to sit through Moulin Rouge. Well, you did. Yes, I did. You did. I did. I was there. But you didn't want to badmouth it because you actually like it. Well, see, I. it's not that I like it. I like it, but I don't like it. It's no. <laughs> you like the McGregor. My gift is my And this one's for you. I, I still do. I still like the McGregor to this day. Even though he's a little bitch boy. He is a little bitch boy in the movie. Um, I will admit Not in that. real life. As Stylistically, I love the movie. But so, so this was for two reasons. One, I couldn't believe that the only awards that this got nominated for was... Tilda Swinton won the AARP, <laughs> the Associated oh, of Retired so People. So disappointing. So she won like a Senior Citizen Award for Best Actress. And uh, I mean, I th- what do you do when you like? Is there a stage you walk up on? I think you get like a certificate and probably <laughs> like a gift certificate to Golden Corral. I feel like, th- <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> Did that get you? Maybe. <laughs> All the it popcorn comes, shrimp you want. It just comes with some Tums chewables. <laughs> no, um, but and then it got like a few Saturn Award nominations. However, Saturn Awards. You don't know what the Saturn. No, award? I don't know what the Saturn Awards. It's are. like the geek Oscars that, that basically in '97, Fifth Element cleaned up at the Saturn Awards. That shows you. Oh, so it's specifically like for sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, that makes more sense now. Um. But no one really knows about it, so it, it it's like winning a Razzie. Oh, okay. Um, but Razzie is like there's a negative connotation with the Razzie, whereas I feel like Saturn is specifically just for sci-fi movies. Well, Razzie is specifically just for bad movies, right? Right, but I'm saying it it has a negative connotation to it. Like nobody really wants a Razzie. Um, three actors who have won Oscars in the past showed up for their Razzies. H- Halle Berry showed up for Catwoman. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, did he? Yeah, it was on his um Instagram. Oh, and uh, Sandra Bullock showed up with her Oscar. Okay. So like, like it's well, I know, like I'm just saying, like you know, of the choices of awards, I would I would compare the Saturn to the Hasty Pudding Award. Okay. Um, so this, in my opinion, Snowpiercer should have been nominated for Best Picture because of. I I would definitely agree. Best screenplay. Yeah. It's, best it's best supporting actress. Is this a ri- like was this based on anything? It's based on a French graphic novel. Okay, that makes sense. Um French French graphic novels are weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're so weird. Did you just call me man? Yeah, I did. <laughs> You're my man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um until the Swinton should have been nominated. Uh Tilda Swinton should have been nominated. Fairy tale movie? Like the like they had them on Netflix for a little bit. Oh, like Bluebeard and y- you started to show me their version of Beauty and the Beast, and I was like, "Can we turn this?" No, off? it wasn't Beauty and the. Well, they had a French version of Beauty and the Beast, which was also weird. But they also had a French version of Sleeping Beauty. Um, 
Yeah, but you showed me Beauty and the Beast, and I was like, can we stop watching this? It was this? weird. It was very weird. Um, I, I and They had, like, Furbies in the castle. That That's fine. <laughs> moving on. Yep, moving on. Um, I feel like uh, Chris Evans should have been nominated for Best Actor. I know. And he Ed Harris, so Best Supporting Actor. He has He's only in the movie for the last 20 minutes of the movie. But he, he, he steals it. amazing. Yeah. And the reason why I picked this, because this was originally going to be something else. I originally, for Snubble Up a Dub Dub, I was going to go all the way to 1994 with a little film called Ed Wood. And... Oh, that's with um, Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp. Yep. But that that because I felt that one best supporting actor, but it did not get nominated for best picture. This this movie really flew under the radar. It did in in a big way. Um, it, but the main reason why I I opted out for Ed Wood is because this has a film theory that I don't normally subscribe to film theories like. Well, they're fun. They're fun, but, but like they're usually based on like very like weak, yeah, you know, but but conjecture. There's only two that that I buy into. Mm-hmm. This one, which I'll go into, and the Matrix one, where Agent Smith is the man who was born in. Agent Smith is the chosen but the, one. See, that makes so much sense because like it it makes sense with how the movie flows and what happens, and and even what they say. And. That a man uh, was, yeah, born, was in the born in the Matrix, and Neo wasn't born in the Matrix. Right. Smith so was it, born in it, the Matrix. It makes perfect sense. That film theory I buy into, that Agent Smith is the chosen one. Yes. And then this one, which is the film theory to this, is that... And where did this come from? We we, we need to make sure we credit so it. So this came from four different people. Oh, four different people. Yes. It started off with Rhino Stew. Okay. Then Nerdist picked it up. Okay. Um, our uh, the Dan Cave or the Dave Cave. They just ran with it. Um, and uh, comedian Kevin Marr. Okay. And then I forgot the. I'm sorry. The the final person was just adding on to just a few little things that they found. Okay. Yeah. So this is a real deep dive. Um. So the fi- the film theory is that this is a sequel film to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And at first when I heard that, I was like, come with me. That one, not the Johnny Depp one, the 1974, which it makes sense when, when, when you hear the, the like comparisons and go into it, I'm going to include Rhino Stew's um, video in the, in the liner notes to this, but it, it got me thinking because, because at first, it was like clickbait for me. I was like, okay, I'll, yeah, okay. I'll listen to what you have to say, mister. And then sure, I, sure. Willy Wonka, the next thing you know, you're like curled up in a ball. I was like, like, holy rocking. You're like, shit. It all makes sense. Yeah, so it's you're a putting w- the Wonk- Wonka Piercer is the... Is the Wonka uh, Piercer? That's the film theory. I'm going to say that sounds like a really, really painful sex toy. <laughs> oh, God. Ew. Think about it. Think about it. I don't don't want think to. about it. Don't think about it. <laughs> so what I love about this movie is that um, before we actually get into the movie, uh, the reason why they believe that this is in the world of Willy Wonka is on the train, everything has a W, and the W looks eerily like 
like well, Willy Wonka. There's also many other reasons some of the characters appear to be, if not modeled after, then inspired by. Um, Nomadic the, Kong is the other guy who did who did the, oh, okay. That's the fourth yeah, but guy. so like the characters like Mason, like that Tilda Swinton plays, is very much like Veruca Salt. Yeah, like even um, even the way they dressed her. Um, one of the things that was uncovered in all of these theories is that Bong Joon Ho's favorite movie or one of his favorite movies is, is Willy Wonka. Wonka and the Chocolate yeah, Factory. Yeah, that makes sense. And the the more they go into it is. You have to go through all of these rooms. Yeah. And it it makes it. I would not be surprised at all if he was wa- like, in addition to taking inspiration from the French comic, he built upon it by getting inspired through Willy Wonka because it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Willy Wonka creates these fantabulous like modes of transportation and like. Do you and want food and yeah, like he's right. Especially he's a food, like food production, and there's food in every single room. Is there? Yes. No. Yeah. Oh wait, there is because I was yeah. thinking of the battle scene, and there's there's a fish. There's not just fish, but there's also there's also like, it's a meat locker. No, no, there w- that wasn't the meat locker room. I thought it was. No, no, that was just a plain train car, and they were all like waiting there for them. Okay. It was empty. But they did have a fish that they were, yeah, <laughs> using as a mode of intimidation. Um, but let's start from the back. Well, I got to finish with the Wonka one. Oh, fine. So the the people who are from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in the theory is that John Hurt's character, Gilliam, is uh-huh. actually Slugworth or Slughorn. Slug. Slugworth, right? Slugworth. Yeah, I was right the first time. I was okay because, like, I th- I think I remember you talking to me about this, and you kept saying Slughorn, and I was like, "This isn't Harry Potter." This family's in the Canary Islands. Yeah, I oh was no. like, "He's not Slughorn." Like, what? Like, you're like listing now I'm just off gonna, the different features. Now I'm just gonna add Jim Broadbent av- mm. after doing it into no. everything. Um, but ter- <laughs> but Gilliam, um, I mean that name would just be. Awesome if his name was Gilliam Slughorn. We never find out his last name, do no, we? No, his first name is Gilliam. Yeah. So, but um, Slughorn basically is the one who whispers these ideas into people's heads uh, to steal the everlasting gobstopper. He's the one who whispers the idea into Curtis's head yeah. to go on this mission. And then Veruca, of course, is Tilda Swinton. He's, he's a fire starter. He really is. Um but he he comes across as this very like benevolent, wise old man, and then I like so you and I, you and I have different stances on his character, but we can go into that. Yeah, later. we'll we'll go. I want to save that. that for the end. <laughs> um. Uh, the uh, Claude is supposed to be Augustus Gloops. Claude is the the child snatcher, as they call her. Yeah, she's supposed to be Augustus Gloops' daughter. Uh. Uh-huh. Um, Mike TV is the assassin guy with the gun yeah. who you first see in a TV monitor. Yeah. Like, or his first it's, kill. Yeah. There's definitely some heavy inspiration taken from. Yeah. Taken from Willy Wonka. But the, the final thing that got me on the Willy Wonka Snowpiercer timeline is one line of dialogue where, uh, uh, Wilfred, um, Ed Harris says, we had a piece of equipment that used to make the engine run. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but now we... But that went extinct. Right. And that's why we need children. Do I need to say it? Oompa Loompas. Yeah. So now we need children instead of Oompa Loompas. So now... You know, there's there's not a steady supply of them out there. Now, getting back to Snowpiercer, let's dive into the movie. Now, this film was inspired by, as we said before, a French graphic novel. It It's a dystopia that takes place in a world that's like frozen over. Because of a chemical compound, which Wilfred... Like K-12 or something like that? C-W-7. Okay, C-W... Okay. Which... I was way off. ...stands for Charles Wonka 7. That was... That... Uh, <sighs> that was part of the film theory. That's part of the film theory, but that's not what it actually stands for. We I, just know it as I know, but but it just makes sense because Charlie and class made the wart remover. How do you get rid of a wart? You yeah, freeze yeah. it off. The world is a wart, Scott. <laughs> well, yeah, that that that's the point. Um, um, but no, they they like yeah, they introduce it into the atmosphere to stabilize the environment. But so yeah, and then we have this train which, uh very limited population lives on the rich they people say that but that is a big train there had to be at least two thousand people on that train that's that's a very like in <laughs> most dystopias there's only like 500 people left two thousand's not much better <laughs> 500 is uh, are like 200 is not a lot i'm just saying that it's more than most dystopias okay <laughs> You were saying. Continue. But anyway, so the rich people live towards the front of the train. Big First surprise. class. Yep. One percent. And then we have the 99 percent. In coach. The Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even call it coach. It's like so, so it's it's like where you put the luggage. <laughs> it's. Like they're literally they call the the people at the end of the train like freeloaders. Which doesn't make sense because, like, everyone got on the... Well, I, yeah, I'd imagine it's that, It's not too. like people are, like, paying or working, no, except for Allison Pill, who's the teacher. I, I theorize that everyone could afford to be towards, you know, like, like it was all just one, one class of people. Yeah. And I think that over time, you know, like any like civil civilization in like a, under a microscope they just you know it eventually did become the haves and the have-nots well yeah that's how everything works <laughs> yes i know that's <laughs> well my works. my my theory but on... i'm saying we're, we're given no explanation for why there are people at the back of the train and then why there are people at the front my the theory train. for that is that the people who are in the back of the train were like teenagers and kids who couldn't really pay for tickets the people in the front were like the rich people whose parents paid for it and brought their kids along. Right. Then the parents died. And then the kids inherited everything. Yeah. Like, that's my theory. Yeah. And that would make and sense. And can't go anywhere. Because Curtis was, Curtis was like 14 when he got on the, when he got on the train. Yeah, that's true. And my question is. It's a lovely, like, Titanic moment. Like, I just picture he, like, won the tickets. In a, <laughs> a game, game of, of cards. Yeah, in a game of cards. And then he met his Rose and she screwed him over. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's in steerage. I like to think that his Rose was uh, Octavia Spencer, but she found another guy that she liked and they had Timmy. Well, 
didn't you kind of like think that maybe Timmy was his kid in the beginning? Um, like it. it well, I also possible. said I also said that that uh, um, Ginger One Arm, as I'm going to call him, that 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 guy wasn't uh, Ginger One Arm. <laughs> he wasn't smart enough to have a child. I'm I'm just going to say uh, that he gets really so. So in the beginning, Ginger One Arm. <laughs> no, so we in like we have this. It's not even like is it the beginning scene? Yeah, yeah. where they all like they all. It's they within all the first up. five minutes. Yeah, they all line up, and they're. What was that? That was my phone. That was your phone. I thought that was the TV. Uh, anyway, weird noise. That yeah, was my phone. No, and so we. So all of the 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 back of the train people <laughs> coach no do do they get like a name um i forget yeah i forget they're, what they're called they're called like final car no last car it had the car I, wasn't i forget i'm sure we're going to be kicking our butts when we <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out later but so they they're all lined up and this is how it's introduced um and then they're grabbing this like these disgusting looking protein bars, bars. yeah protein bars which we find out later what those are made of cockroaches yeah so which gross. makes sense it's it's that perfect like dystopian element where you find out like yeah like well, yeah, like, well like like in Mad Max Fury Road you find you out that that their their biggest source of like when they're not drinking water they're drinking mother's milk which is just breast milk. Well yeah, it's just that it's that little thing that you don't pay attention to in the beginning and then it Yeah, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got I, it. I don't know where I'm going with this. It it <laughs> it's it's a red herring. You think yeah. that they're being nice and giving them food? No, I never thought they were being nice. You take one look at those things. I like, thought it was just, just jello. Yeah. It looks like jello. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's well, disgusting. It, it makes brown. you wonder, like, if they. What is the steak made out of? Because you never see cows. You see the fish where they get the sushi from. That's true. There's no. We, we never see, like, an animal car. Wait. We see the aquarium. But no, but we also see the meat locker. Right. So. It's people. It has to be people. It's got to be people. Oh, God. Oh. But so. Because they do take. So. In the beginning, when they take the first chair concerto from the Boston Symphony Orchestra, yeah, they beat up his wife, but they take her away too. Oh, so, she was the stake. Yeah. So basically, yeah, going back to that, we see them all lined up, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I don't want to go through the whole plot, but I Good. do want to talk. Well, <laughs> I know I've had problems with that in the past, <laughs> but there's so many details to like explore. Well, yeah, but so. But I do want to talk about this because this is where this whole scene sets the tone for like the rest of the movie and like it sets up their mission, why they go to the front of the train, because in the food there's little messages coming to Curtis, who's in the process of trying to like lay the plans for a rebellion. No, who also put messages in food? Willy Wonka. He didn't put messages. He put golden tickets and chocolate bars. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the Gobstoppers. Because uh, no. to me, like, I was more excited for the Gobstoppers as a kid. Well, 
I like the cho- the chocolate bells, bells. The chocolate bells. <laughs> the chocolate bells. He had those too. I'm sure. Uh, the chocolate bars hel- held no interest to me as a kid. To me, it did. I, I was all about chocolate. I didn't really, really when you they went into the the chocolate room. That was like what was the thing that like made you excited the most like the most like what did you nothing in his factory because because really nothing i'm a kid with ocd everything was dirty and contaminated i wouldn't say everything it looked everything in that room looked i i will admit the chocolate fountain looked disgusting well not just that but that mushroom that was gross too the whipped cream that was gross too. Okay. To me, it, to me, like the chocolate bar, the bar that I wanted the most was the scrum diddly. I'm just because I was like, what is it? Okay, I love how we're talking about like a dystopian society, but we keep somehow circling back to Willy Wonka because but it's a sequel. This I is know, a sequel, but it has to be like you have a guy who creates this labyrinth to to have one person take over his train. Spoilers, Scott. Well, if they're <laughs> listening to this, they've already known the movie Snowpiercer. Maybe. Maybe not. Too late. Spoilers. Uh, but you have one guy who's, who sends one person on a journey. Right. Well, that's as we find out, the messages are leading Curtis to, you know, the end of the train. But he how thinks... did he know which bars were which? Like, like how did... That's the thing. Like, because the first one comes in a bar... And he, but he he goes to one of the kids and he's like, hey, I'll trade you my bar for yours. How does he know? He goes How to his son. How does he know? But like, and which is I kind of like that about this movie. There is still like this element of mystery where like some things are definitely explained. Yeah. And then, but like, like good dystopias, I feel like there are things that are just left, you know, set aside and not explained, and um. You know, left to we we have to fill in the blanks, right? Um, which I like, but that that doesn't make sense to me. Because how did he know that it was going to be like the seventeenth bar? Yeah, like there's no way. Um, but I'll suspend my di- my disbelief for that. And also, then, go ahead. Um, so another spoiler is that you find out that um his best friend or his kind of surrogate son. Mm-hmm is a 18-year-old boy named, or 17-year-old boy named Edgar, mm-hmm. played by Jamie Bell, um, who is... I did love Edgar. Yeah, who's actually based on Edgar Wright. I um, He's based on Edgar Wright. Um, that totally makes sense. But you find out that when the train first started and people were starving, they ate babies, and Edgar was the baby that they almost spoilers. ate. I said spoilers. Yeah, oh, well... Yeah, I did. Um, I'm but, so used to just doing it after the fact. But 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 he ends up um, becoming like a surrogate son to to Curtis. But Curtis treats him like shit. Curtis is so. I don't think so. He's like, shut up, Edgar. Stop talking. Well, Edgar. because he's afraid, like in the beginning, that he's gonna like, because his big mouth is the very thing that get, is gonna get him in trouble. Because we see in that first scene, like the same. Well, actually, no, it's not the first scene. It's the following day when where they line up and then the mood has shifted where kids are now being taken. Right. And we don't know why. 
and we don't know where they go and also like other people like you said the violinist um is taken away and um and yeah and that's the other part of this movie i really like in addition to you know the goal of trying to get to the front of the train you forget the other goal which is like finding out what happened to these children right which we do and it's horrifying no i'm talking about like his second or third scene it's at least three minutes into the movie where edgar is like oh what does steak taste like again i know i've had it once before but what does it taste like and he's like shut up edgar that's what i'm talking about I I don't think it was like you know. I'm I'm just saying that for a guy who like weeps and cries over um, Edgar when Edgar died. But here's the question: Did Edgar know? I because he because te- he reveals the whole story and Edgar's background and why he's there. Yeah, that speech is alive. fucked up. Huh? That speech. It is very. It's, it's meant to be fucked up. It, it it's like. You know what I hate about myself. I know what people taste like. I know that babies taste best. But yeah, of, of course babies take, taste the best. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby. Chili's baby back ribs. I'm shaking my head so hard right now. <laughs> no, but... but uh, I mean, I I think that people would just taste disgusting. <laughs> but Actually, I guess if you're hungry, they and say that, and I like. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> no, people no, have it's said fine. people who like. I think I forget where I learned this, but people who have been forced into extreme like situations. The Donner I body. think there was one guy who did confirm that we do kind of taste close to pork. Oh. I'm. So hey, you never know. <laughs> Not big on pork, bacon and ham. Get out the grill, get some ketchup. (laughs) But as the movie progresses on, like, I love how uh, that one incident that we find out later in the movie is why he feels like why Curtis, everyone's like, you need to be our leader. And he's like, no, Gilliam's your leader. And they're like, Gilliam doesn't have legs. (laughs) (laughs) Or an arm. (laughs) <laughs> Gilliam is literally a walking broom closet. <laughs> oh, what you got? Yeah, like, why would he think that this what, man wait, who's wait. probably so pushing a got, thousand? He's got an umbrella for a hand. He's got like a wooden leg, but he's also got another. No, wait. Yes, no. He's just got one bad leg and then one bad arm. Yeah, on opposite sides. Yes. Yeah, but he has no limbs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why would he think that that is going to be the guy who takes them to the promised land? Oh, Stella. She's snuggling up to me. Oh, are you, are you Frenching me now? Thank you. <laughs> Stella, we're trying to do a podcast yeah. here. If you have something to say, no, no. I can hear her <laughs> licking. <laughs> Good girl. Oh. Um, But yeah. I just, I find it very disturbing that Curtis has, like, this, he has such <laughs> that a That should have just been, like, right under the title for this movie. <laughs> Snowpiercer, we find it disturbing. I mean, the sad part is, is, like, 
this could really happen. <laughs> like, yeah, because <laughs> because it's not like it's not like they have like futuristic guns. It's not like they have futuristic technology. No, it's a train. The most futuristic thing is the drug, Chrono. Well, that's like a type of fuel, right? That we find out, but that doesn't exist right now. Yeah, so that's um, the most. Fu- I'm saying that's the most futuristic yeah. thing. So somewhere in America, there's a man building a train right now. What do you What do you think of Tilda Swinton as Mason? Tilda Swinton as Mason is one of my favorite characters. I, you know me, I'm all about like the hero, so I love Curtis. Yeah, but Tilda Swinton. W- even before the Willy Wonka um, fan theory, when she first came on in that mink fur coat, I was like, oh, <laughs> Veruca Salt. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget she has a coat. What I find most interesting about her is her teeth. Because she has these How did she fake, lose them? Right. How did she, one, how did she lose them? Two, why are her teeth so bad? And three, I think the metaphor here is that she is just... She's so incapable of speaking for herself. She literally has no teeth to her. She is incapable of imposing her will on right. the people in the back of the train. And she's also incapable of speaking for Wilfred. Yeah, and the the fan theory is that when Veruca fell, all of her teeth came out. <laughs> that makes sense. And also she was a uh, fucking, you know, snot. So <laughs> she was well fucking snot? Gross. Yeah, um, but but uh, the the snot monster from that uh, commercial. But uh, <laughs> but the other the other theory to link her to Veruca is that they both die because of eggs. Yes, which yes, they is do. really messed up. So you said that the scariest scene to you is is so well. First, I want to learn what your favorite uh, train car is. My I love the aquarium. The aquarium is beautiful, though, but it's it's very short-lived. Right. Are you talking about the sushi scene as well? Because that's a really good one. Well, yeah, they go through the aquarium to get yeah. to the sushi car. I um, still don't quite... Under, like, I get it. It's a very fragile ecosystem, and it is possible to have an aquarium, I suppose, on a moving train. But also, how? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was that was... See, that's, that's the Finding Dory sequel that we should have got. Yeah. You find out that the aquarium that they go to is in this train. It's all in a snow globe. Um, but is an aquarium a snow globe? Or is, an aqu- is a snow globe an aquarium? I think I know your favorite car. My favorite car? Yeah. Okay, go. Is it is it the, um, the greenhouse? I mean, that was very pretty. Um... Yeah, I would have to say just because it was the most peaceful out yeah. of all of them. Because like the sushi, the sushi one bothered me a little bit. I I love how they're, they're like, here, try the sushi. Um, and then Curtis is like, none for you. Yeah, no soup for you. Because they've captured Mason and she's just like, you know, I just love how she eats it too. She just like, you ever seen those like greyhounds when they like curl their lips and like... They're just like taking little bites. Well, it's a very specific image, but that's what yeah. I pictured. I because I, I was like, no one eats like that, and then and I obviously I, she's disgusted by it, but also right. she just eats it like. Well, also I I love Black Mirror. 
You don't. I don't get me wrong. Black Mirror is a brilliant show. I can't watch it because it it I I lie awake at night. <laughs> but but in um although in many respects this is one long Black Mirror episode. It is. In the episode Nosedive with uh Bryce Dallas Howard, she eats like that. Cuz when I uh. saw Tilda Swinton eat like that, I was like who eats like that? And because she is trying Tilda to be... Tilda Swinton is such a brilliant chameleon. She really is. In in Bryce Dallas Howard's world, you get judged on how you eat. Like like everyone is awarded points via Facebook, like this Facebook. What? Yeah. So she daintily, perfectly... This isn't the circle, is it? Like Yeah, a little bit. Oh, see, so, I... so she daintily eats oh. um, this piece of, of, of cookie so that it makes a perfect half moon. So but she does it exactly like Tilda Swinton does the whole, you know. Everyone engages in like one giant mukbang. Yeah, and if if you get below like 2.5 stars, they they move you to I like a prison. So hard. I'd be in prison like right away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat pretty. Yeah, well, the... the I like to think I do many things daintily in life, but eating is not one of them. Well, the two people who wrote that episode were Rashida Jones and Mike Scher of Parks and Rec. Okay. Um, But yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard eats exactly how Tilda Swinton does, because I was like... I like no how we're eats- getting very specific into Tilda Swinton eating as a well, character. Tilda Swinton, everything she does is so meticulous. Yeah, like she- I said, she's a brilliant chameleon. Yeah, Um, and... So, I just love how every time like something happens, she's her right away. Her go-to is "It wasn't me." Yeah, she's a she. Curtis, it wasn't me. Scapegoat. Shut the fuck up, Curtis. Curtis, I can help you. You can fucking die is what you can do. No, I can help you. I swear it. Listen, listen to me. Wilford won't come here. He's not coming. You've got to go to him, and I can take you. I know the train. I can guarantee you safe passage. Why the fuck would I trust you? Because I want to live. Um, but my favorite is when the guy's like, "Surrender, or they'll kill me," and she's just like, Meh. <laughs> <laughs> "The look on her face is just oh, perfect." <laughs> so, as I was saying before, a lot of people were terrified by the giant battle where like everyone dies in the car. It is, it's horrifying. But the most scariest scene to me that I was the most uncomfortable was the the classroom. That like Where I, those yeah. children were being brainwashed. Right. Well, that's, see, that's what's most terrifying to me because like I studied cults in college and more terrifying to me than outright violence is. is Mom mentality. Mob mentality has always terrified me. I remember being little and watching the mob scene in Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) And I just... That was really actually very terrifying for me because I could not understand having blind faith in someone like that. As hard as it is to believe, people in the old world made fun of Mr. Wilford. They criticized him for over-engineering and over-equipping this wonderful train. But Mr. Wilford knew something they did not. And what was that? Old world people were frigging morons who got turned into popsicles. Well, sort of. Mr. Wilford knew that CW7 would freeze the world. So what did the prophetic Mr. Wilford invent to protect the Chosen from that calamity? 
just absolute blind faith. But of course, like these are little children. They're being indoctrinated early. Well, do you know what I thought of when I saw this scene? Like when they're showing the video? Yeah. I thought of Back to the Future Part 2. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Biff Tannen Museum. Dedicated to Hill Valley's number one citizen and America's greatest living folk hero, the one and only Biff Tannen. Of course, we've all heard the legend, but who is the man? Inside, you will learn how Biff Tannen became one of the richest and most powerful men in America. The museum of Biff Tannen, where they show that video of how he made his fortune. Yeah. It reminded me so much of that. But also it's it's scary in the sense that it's 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 all tense. Like the whole time you're just extremely, extremely tense because you know something's going to happen, but there are children present. So you have to keep it all inside <laughs> just yeah. like the, just like the characters do. Well, and the teacher is Allison wrong. pill. She was, scares the hell out of me. I, we, she was the perfect choice for this. Well, though. because it's uh, what's her name from um, the newsroom. Um, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember her <laughs> yeah. character's name. I have a theory. That she is actually pregnant with Wilfred's kid. That would not surprise me. And because um, I just, I feel like he puts like his main squeezes in like positions of power. And he's like, hey, you're pregnant with my kid. I'm going to put you in charge of other so children. So does that mean that he had sex with Claude also? The oh, child catcher? yeah. She's in like a bathrobe when we, you know, see her again. A, a yellow trench coat. Yeah. Um, no, it is not a trench coat. <laughs> But it's like this weird kimono. Well, that actress, that was like her second movie. She thought she was just signing on for an indie movie. Mm-hmm. And then I guess like Tilda Swinton walked in and Ed Harris walked in and, and Chris Evans. She's like, what the fuck are all these people doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like she she had like no idea that this was going to be an actual movie. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, this South Korean director. And she's like, okay. For <laughs> for. For all those just listening, I think you should be aware that right now my dog is literally buried in my sleeve. I'm wearing this giant sweater and she is just burrowed in my sleeve. Well, I turned around, like I turned my head and she was next to you. And then I looked back and I was like, where did she go? And I had no idea she was inside. It kind of looks like you have a hunchback. It does. I have to ring the bells. God, the bells won't ring themselves. Um, but yeah, Alison Pill is terrifying in this movie. She is that see, like when she's playing the piano and, and she's she singing the, the creepy song. The, she makes the 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 sex face. The it's, w- not, it's I wouldn't even call it a sex face. Her eyes roll into the back of her her head, and she it's creepy. Yeah, like like ugh. That's the one clip that they always play, too, of yeah. her from that movie. And then she pulls out a gun. I don't know if I'm upset that she tries to kill them or that she she's dies. She's just so calm during that scene, too, where she's just, like, blowing people away. And she's looking around corners like, oh, did I get everyone? Did I get everyone? 
I mean, what about those children? Some of those children had to. It's all for the cause, Scott. <laughs> I just found that upsetting. There are no mistakes, Scott. Just happy accidents. As my, as my, uh, my, uh, your hero, Bob my Ross. hero, Bob Ross, once said. So, like the whole premise that you find out later is the reason why they're they're doing this is because they need to kill 74% of the train. Yeah, to keep the population in check. And that's why the sushi scene is so pivotal because she's relating the ecosystem of the aquarium to the ecosystem of the train. I'm like, she's trying to give hints. Now, this is where you and I differ. You, okay. You think that, because Gilliam says, when you get to Wilfred, cut out his tongue. You think right. he just means kill him right away and take the train back? No, I think he does mean cut out his tongue so he doesn't tell you beautiful lies. I don't but, agree. I think that well, he was like... Can I Can I go over sure. why I believe this? Sure, sure. Let's like have a little high school debate here. So we're introduced to Gilliam. He's in the back of the train. He has a very close relationship with Curtis and he's like willing to go on this journey with him and like he's the one who kind of you know is the fire of this whole rebellion he's the Katniss Everdeen well I mean Curtis is but he's I don't know what the equivalent he's the Hamish Abernathy yes he's the Hamish um and he he's such a source of inspiration to these um it's gonna drive me nuts District 12 no (laughs) no but like they have names like or they're referred to as a specific class and i forget yeah, they're called like car 17 or car 18 uh tail something this is gonna drive me nuts but anyway district 12 no <laughs> then tilda swinton is effie trinket yeah and then you have Peta, who is clearly edgar he dies uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag team Peta. um and of but course, Octavia Spencer's Gale. Okay, now that we've settled that. So, Edgar... Not, no, sorry, not Edgar. Wilfred. Um, no, um, not Wilfred. Oh, Gilliam. Gilliam, thank you. So, Gilliam, I feel like, started out bad. Because as we find out, spoilers, when Curtis does meet Wilfred, Wilfred tells him that he and Gilliam were working together that it was necessary for the front of the train to work together with the back of the train in order for the whole thing to you know function as it did but i feel like yes initially that was the plan but as curtis reveals gilliam sacrificed his arm so that a kid in the back of the train might live and I don't think that someone whose whole goal is just to keep Wilfred happy would sacrifice life and limb. I do. I don't think so. I think it's part of the theatrics. It could be. I think it's part of the theatrics. I do. Like, this is the genius of it all. It could easily go either way. But I think he was telling Curtis to cut out his tongue because he knew that Wilfred would essentially lie to him to get his way. Uh, I think Wilfred got to be where he did because yes, he did invent the train, but I think 
the way like he's orchestrated this all in such a way like he would have to be a very talented and very care he's a he's a cult leader he is a cult leader he's very charismatic he is he's a born liar yeah but in every lie there's a bit of truth eh, tell that to most cults but <laughs> <laughs> um but the spaceship was coming you well, just his, had to his, die to get onto he it he needs someone else to take his place and curtis is that person but in order to get him to that mm, place i don't he has think to, curtis he is ha- that person I think Curtis just ended up what there. What I'm saying is in Wilfred's eyes, Curtis is that person. And in order to do that, he has to break him down in order to build him up. And to do one of the ways to do that is to destroy the person who he looks up to the most, which is Gilliam. And I think Gilliam knew that. And I think that, you know, Gilliam knew that Wilfred would try to isolate him from his position as the, the leader of, you know, the, this faction of people considering like everyone in this faction is now dead except for him yeah but i think i truly do believe that's why he said cut out his tongue like just be done with it don't bother i don't well if he was going to work with him he wouldn't say cut out his tongue he would just leave well, it. well no because p- their plan was to just him and him and Gilliam's plan was just to make it to that that empty train where they have the fight and then basically everyone was to die and then not not everyone 74% 74% of the back of the train right not the front of the train yeah but all of those people were supposed to die and then Gilliam was going to tell them to go back to the back of the train because they lost that that was their plan mm-hmm. and because Gilliam even says, let's just go back to the back of the like train. Like, you think they were going to, like, position Curtis in the front of the train and then just act like he died? Right. And then just say that they lost and they're back to square one? Right. I Like I said, that could be. I think both both your argument and my argument are just as valid. And that's why there this is the genius of it all. This is why this is a perfect movie, because you don't know. But because I created this podcast, don't I get extra points? No. <laughs> no. No, you get no points. <laughs> we are on a level playing field. We are married. <laughs> it is equal. <laughs> I I still need to... Uh, we haven't even talked about... Um, the the lock picker the the guy who created the security system who they haven't oh what's his name i forget no i don't him know. and his daughter well, let's call him old boy because so he many, looks exactly like, like old even boy. like the like the side characters that we hardly ever see like my favorite is um i also forget his name it's only mentioned like twice if that um the the karate kid basically i like to call oh, him oh um isn't like Abernathy or some? It, it's it's he's got a weird name, but um, I thought I he's thought covered you were in tattoos and I feel he I think he's mute. It's yeah, never, he's mute. Yeah, he's mute. Let's, let's just call him the Raid. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's totally he's a beast. He's totally Tony Job ja from the he's Raid. L- yeah, he's a beast. He's like they're they're like send in this guy and he just like takes out like five people. Um. But yeah, I mean, 
I can't remember the the lockpicker's name. He's the only person that didn't shit his pants when they opened that like train car full of people. Full of guns. Yeah, full. No, not just guns, knives. They remember they didn't have guns at that point because bullets were believed to be. Oh, I'm talking about in the kids' car when. No, no, I'm talking about. And here's one thing you thought was extinct: guns. No, I'm talking about the train car of death, and I love how. the lockpicker's daughter is like, yeah, there's a <laughs> tunnel up ahead, a fucking long one too. And well, okay, so that that was another comparison to Willy Wonka because they go through a tunnel, right? And then when she says stop, there's it no all knowing where we're going. Yeah, but when when they're like, yeah, enough of this, and he's like, you're right, let's stop, and then it ends. As soon as Tilda Swinton says stop, they come out of the tunnel. Yeah, I think you know, as as motivated as I would be if I was in the back of the train to get out of it, I feel like if I saw that, if like I opened the door and I saw that waiting for me, I'd be like, you know, guys, maybe we should go back and, you know, think this over. <laughs> you know, we'll drop some more blueprints. We'll think about this. <laughs> okay, so the lockpick's character name. So the guy who plays him is Kong Ho Song okay. um, from The Host. Okay. Uh, he he mainly so he's, he's he mainly works with Bong yeah. Joon Ho, but he gave Bong Joon Ho gave him the most long, complicated name to say. Oh boy, Nam Gong Min Su Ho. So we'll just call him Min. <laughs> I, I'm gonna Min-Soo? just call him Old Boy because he looks exactly like Old Boy. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna ask you, is he the guy who plays Old Boy? No, didn't he do Old Boy too? No. No? No, he wrote it, but he didn't. Well, he wrote it. He, I'm saying he he had a part in it. The director, not that guy. Right. But I thought it was the guy from Old Boy. No, it's not Old Boy. I don't believe it is Old Boy. Mm. Um, I'm double checking just okay. so I'm not talking out of. Oh, he's from uh, he's from Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. He's really good. Yeah, if you haven't seen Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. South Korean movies are intense. They are very intense. So, uh, but yeah. Um, Case in point, Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah. The, this no. is a, this is a good like way to dip your toe into into the uh, Korean film scene. Um, yeah, and then I would, then I would go back and watch the host, and you know, watch the first hour and twenty minutes of Old Boy. You can you don't need to see the end. <laughs> um. No. Or better yet, just look up the plot on Wikipedia and <laughs> say you saw it. No, Why? Old Boy is played by Min Seek Cho. Okay. Um, but they yeah. look they look very similar. Well, they, they, okay, so I think that's who they originally want to cast. Well done. <laughs> Scott I, just dropped his phone. Crap. <laughs> uh, it's not broken. I swear. Um, because like they've got like they, they they're wear they're wearing the black suit right with and the black shirt right. And he carries around a tool implement to beat the crap out of people. Like Yeah, and also he's got like the crazy hair. It's like that Albert Einstein hair, right? Yeah, he's got the Tim Burton special. Yeah. The Tim Burton special. <laughs> but his daughter is like she's Chrono. <laughs> you never think she's going to spoilers, um, make it. <laughs> but she does. But I'm telling you right now, there is no freaking way. In any shape or form, she would have survived that blast.
no way. No. Absolutely not. She would have been fried like, like you know, um, fried to a crisp. I also love how they get around the fact that they couldn't get actors who, um, they they needed to, I'm trying to think of how they have to do this. They needed to get an American, a South Korean, uh, someone from the UK, because those were like the three benefactors for this film. So you needed, you needed the box office draw of people from the. Oh, okay, all right. Well, yeah, that's, that's still how it a worked. Weird, but yeah. Sure. So, so for America, it was Chris Evans, obviously, um, Ed Harris, <laughs> okay. and Octavia Spencer, because those were the three biggest actors at the time. Okay. And then, for America, then in the UK, it's always John Hurt, Jamie Bell, and Tilda Swinton, for the the British audience, and then. You know, for South Korea, it was. Well, I will say he chose well. He did. Of all the people he could have chosen, he chose very like I know. Yes, they're the most. They were the most popular people of the time. Although John Hurt's been around for a long ass time, and I feel <laughs> like. Well, I feel like Shakespeare well, was the, casting him in his place. Well, that also that also proves how timeless this movie is because the people who they casted four to five years ago you could still cast today yeah in those leads because they're still just as important right i mean captain america the mm. ancient one yep <laughs> um and the man in black i think the only person they actually wouldn't the man ca- in black from westworld oh yeah <laughs> i give up on westworld don't it's good um wait but- you've seen the second season yeah have you finished no not yet I was gonna say you traitor. <laughs> I I actually am not really. I'm I'm just not as invested in it now. Ed Harris is still good on it. I'm but sure I, he's still good. I just uh, I don't know. I just see this paw coming out of your your I sweater. <laughs> um, but yeah, if my they, baby. But if they made this today, uh, Jamie Bell would not be Edgar. It would definitely be Tom Holland. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Oh, I I really like Jamie Bell. Though. I do too. What's he, he's Tintin? What's he doing lately? He was on that AMC TV show Turn about the British officers during the Revolutionary War. Oh yeah, um, I tried watching that. He was in Fan Four Stick. Oh, Fantastic Four, the new As one. Flamio. No, no, that was Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. He was the thing. I can't keep he up. He was the thing. They made Oh, he they made him the thing. Well see that's why I didn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I, ju- I just feel like this movie is pretty timeless right now. Yeah. I think it's if I think it's gonna I be very timeless. I still don't understand how even from the very beginning where you see like the credits and like they like this dark silhouettes of the city like going past the letters it's it's really it's from start to finish it's very well done um i still although i do have one issue what and it's a tiny one what it's not even a nitpick so much as it's like a oh fuck what (laughs) when when uh what's her name the their clairvoyant lockpicker's daughter okay so they explain that when they explain what no no not the clairvoyance yeah, they did. No, no, I no, no, no. I had to read it to discover what the clairvoyance was. Okay, you can explain that. Bong, no. Bong Joon Ho said the the people who were 
children and born on the train mm-hmm. had special hearing because they grew up in time periods. That actually makes, yeah, th- I can understand that. So that that's how she knew people I can, were I coming. I can buy that, that, yeah. And because Edgar wasn't born on the train, mm. he just ended up there. He didn't have that same. Well, his, his he was probably like born right before. Right. Yeah. Um. So, well, that means those little those little little kids yes had clairvoyance too yep. so they probably knew what was happening it wasn't even clairvoyance which she said it was just like daredevil style hearing oh we didn't even go over like how people are punished on this train i don't wanna <laughs> that upset me that so in the very beginning scene when they take away their children one of the parents obviously causes you know which scene. parent uh what did i call him ginger mcginger face Ginger one arm. Ginger one arm. Well, you just gave it away. <laughs> but um He had two arms at the beginning of the movie. He just Oh, I feel like honestly, so we only see him for a split second. We only see him for a split second before Right. You just he, see a, a Before he no, well, he before he gets beaten. Yeah. And I think when he was getting beaten it messed him up. Okay. Because when they put the the it's like a lubricant that like freezes. It turns into like it's like a gel. So they yeah, put but the gel is a chemical. I think I think that's the the CW seven. Maybe no, because it's supposed to un. Well, it's yeah, supposed maybe. to freeze his arm off. Um, so they they capture him, subdue him, and they put gel on his arm, and then they stick his arm out the train, which. Without the gel, it wouldn't have made sense to me, or I wouldn't have even found it plausible, because even if you're sticking your arm out and it's freezing cold, one, you're only sticking it out for a few minutes, two, the rest of your body is inside and warm, and right. it, it would make no sense. But that's why I think the CW7... It, yeah, it would have to be. And, and that's why I think that then Wilfred invented it, and Wilfred caused this entire apocalypse. Yeah, because he wanted his train. Right. He wanted his choo-choo. Pardon me, boy. I still don't understand how the snow, um, but the on, snow piercer makes makes the water. The, the I do air, kind of okay, but um, yeah. So then they crush his arm with they, a, a sledgehammer. Yep, because it's all frozen. Ice, ice, baby. Dun, 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 dun. Which that was announced today that they're making a biopic of Vanilla Ice. Starring oh Dave dear. Franco. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy, I, I felt bad for him because he clearly was a few uh, protein bars short of a uh, cockroach plate. Or a few cockroach plates short of a protein bar. Either way. <laughs> um, but, like, when they're putting the, the, the gel on his arm and he goes, <gasps> like, like, the faces he makes... He is, I don't he know what he's selling, damage. but he is trying to sell it. <laughs> he has brain damage yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. And well, like I said, they beat him good. So I think he got, you know, kicked in the head a couple times. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I I just, the way they, they um, depict the violence there, it, it handles, it goes through all the ways to violently hurt a person whether it is actual physical violence or psychological warfare. Yeah, especially at the end. Well, Tilda Swinton is actually trying to manipulate them. 
Yeah, well, she, she that's her whole job. No, even she's when a, she's being nice to them. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. She's a whole. She's an incredible master manipulator. And I, I still, I wanted more on Claude. I liked Claude. In what sense? Like, I wanted to know how how does one get into the business of, of child catching? Yes. Well, first of all, if I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, because when I think... The goal is to be as creepy as possible. But she wasn't that creepy. Have a a weird dance. Like, if they could (laughs) have got Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy would have played that role. (laughs) You know it's true. I can picture it so well, and yet I can't picture it at all. (laughs) Like, she, she even... She also kind of looks like... Uh, she needs like a long nose though, like the guy in like the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the actual child <laughs> catcher had, and like one giant wart. Well... Lollipops! Well, also the... Lollipops the girl for who, the kitties! The girl who plays Claude, when I first saw her the first time, I thought that it was Mae Whitman who plays Anne Veal on um, Arrested Development. Mm. And I was like, Her? That is an Arrested Development joke for people who like it. She's so, so creepy. Uh, The actress who plays Claude. When she takes... She hasn't made another movie since this. That's okay. I feel like she made her money. (laughs) Who knows? She's going to be just typecast after this as the child-catching, blood-eating monster. (laughs) I, I still don't understand how... Like, when you find out that the guy who did The Host is making a movie, how do you not know until the day of shooting that that you're in a, an actual big-budget movie with celebrities? Like, she thought it was just an indie film until they, like, got well, on set. Well, it was kind of an indie film, but But you need, to have a, you need to have a script reading. You need to have a written... Just, you know what? Sometimes nobody tells anybody anything. <laughs> I think they just... They just forgot. <laughs> like, I would have loved for it to be like she a was deep out cut. That day. I would have loved for it to be a deep cut where she shows up and Chris Evans is there and she goes, wait a minute, this isn't Sudbury, Massachusetts. That's where Chris Evans is from. No, I, I would like it to be like she comes in, she sees everybody and then like she has the office moment where she's facing the camera and she's like, nobody told me. <laughs> nobody, nobody told me. <laughs> Wait, are we actually making a real movie? <laughs> I had no idea. That um, would totally make Chris Evans the gym. Does that make her the Pam? <laughs> I think Octavia Spencer is the Pam. Oh, Octavia Spencer. No, that makes her the Angela. <laughs> Claude is totally the Angela. Which one is Angela again? Um. Oh, yes, yes. Blonde in accounting. Oh, yes. And that's that right. makes Tilda Swinton Phyllis. <laughs> Bob Vance. Um, No, she is totally Dwight. You think? No. Yes. No, I think Edgar is... I think uh, Wilfred is Dwight. No. No. Mm -mm. No, Tilda Swinton's Michael Scott. No. (laughs) I love how (laughs) we're just (laughs) trying to... We go from Willy Wonka to the office. (laughs) Um, Um, No, I, I just... So the violence in this movie, a lot of parents were like... Wait, wait. So we were talking... I, I was about to say what problem I had, what 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 my tiny gripe was. Okay. And we totally skipped over that. Okay. So the violence in this movie. No. 
Okay, what's your gripe? My 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 tiny gripe, which I feel like could be a small bird. <laughs> there goes the tiny gripe. <laughs> um, so the violence in this movie. No. My my one tiny tiny gripe is at the very end where we see the polar bear. And I get it, it's supposed to be this symbolic symbol of life, but that bear, you know, hasn't eaten anything those, in a while. Those kids would be so dead. And it's just staring at them. And I know it's supposed to be this beautiful representation of like, see, life goes on in the most unexpected places. It also eats what's in the most <laughs> unexpected places. Because they're, they're sitting ducks now. Yes. That's how that works. They're those two. Yeah, it's like, oh, we survived somehow miraculously. Is that a polar bear? <laughs> <laughs> Run. Um, so as I was saying, this film got protested a bunch because of the violence in this movie. Oh, come on. I will say that some of the violence is intense. But it's but one thing that I... any more intense than I've seen in other movies. One thing that doesn't make sense is when... Um, uh, oh, I forget the name of the sharpshooter guy. I'm just going to call him Mike Sharpie TV. Sharpie McSharpshooter? The guy who I said was Mike TV. Yep. He gets strangled. Does he even get a name? He does. It's like Fritz or Franz or... Franz. But he gets strangled with a crowbar and then stabbed and shot. And he's, he's like still not hey, dead. If Rasputin can do it, so can he. <laughs> But how does he not die? I think. I think what we don't the see. The power of love? <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe he has some of that, like. He, he like, drinks a daily shot of that, like, ice Corona? stuff. Oh. No. CW7? Yeah, CW7. And it just, like, inst- it, it has the opposite effect for him. It just gives him super strength. He, he has a frozen heart. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't get some of the things in this movie. I love this movie, but there are certain things I don't understand. Oh my god! What if the te- what if the that if the teacher's baby was his baby? That's what I asked. Because doesn't he kind of rush over? No, does he? No, rush over his to brother does. His brother does. No. His brother. Maybe that's where he like loses it. <laughs> yeah, his brother is the the Dan Fogler looking guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when when he finally when. Curtis finally gets so Wilfred. Is that his brother? Yes, they're supposed to be brothers. It, how is that? Is that even yes made clear? It's established. Okay. Um. Because I mean, it kind of is because when um Tilda Swinton's giving her speech, um Mike TV and Dan Fogler brother are basically um they're canoodling <laughs> like like eh? he has his arm around his brother and he's just like do you ship him with the teacher or do you ship him with claude uh both <laughs> every <laughs> him, him every hitman needs a check. <laughs> <laughs> he gets he gets wilford sloppy seconds it's it, it's it's just a big old orgy in the first class. So let me ask you this, be and be honest. Where honestly do you think you would end up on the train? I'd probably be in coach. I'd probably be in the back end. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to believe that I'd be with the the clubbers and the rave scene, <laughs> but no, I know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Past the chrono pacifier. Ba-na-na-na. 
just play sandstorm over and over again um but when he finally when curtis finally gets to the front and he's having his heart to heart with um wilfred and wilfred's like you want some steak even though he's angry at wilfred dude you haven't had steak in almost a two decades we don't know where it comes from (laughs) so he also hasn't eaten in two days i don't believe people and yes um to those who paid attention it is ironic that edgar mentioned steak in the beginning and then we see steak in the end what if it's edgar uh, what I if they took his body? I don't think they could get him. Waste to that. not, want not. I don't think they could get him to the head of the train that fast. I don't know. We see those kids, and they've only been in the front section of the train for like, what, like two days? Yeah, two days, and they're already a mess. Stuff happens fast in that train. No, nah, I, I think they threw Edgar's body out. I do. Mm. Um, but I noticed that the people who actually eat food mm-hmm. are the ones who die like in the sushi she- scene curtis doesn't eat the sushi function ho has a thing with food he does doesn't he? yeah curtis doesn't eat the sushi curtis doesn't eat the protein bars no nope. curtis doesn't eat the steak oh yeah but he still dies um <laughs> what do you think the symbolism behind that i i think it is like the people who eat um I think it is the Willy Wonka thing. I think it's the people who who. But but Charlie partook in a lot of things, including the fizzing bubbles or bubble. Were you drink. about to say the fizzing whisbies? Listen, Slughorn. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, fizzy lifting drink. You mean? Yeah, fizzy lifting drink. Um, another scene that terrified me. Well, that that that's in Willy. Oh, Wonka said what my favorite candy was in Willy Wonka. I thought you said it was the everlasting gobstock. No, well, I liked, I would, I preferred that over the chocolate, but my favorite was um, the tea, like the teacups. Oh, which was made out of seraphim wax. <laughs> which apparently made, what's his name, very sick. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I thought they were so cool looking. I was like, oh, I want a teacup I can eat. That's the dream. I found out that the term snozberry the snozberries taste like snozberries. It was a dirty joke that Roald Dahl put in there. Apparently a snozberry means like penis. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> so, nah. th- thanks Roald Dahl. Um, Roald Dahl. Did you know they ma- actually made lickable wallpaper? Did people die? No, it's like, I mean, it's it's like you can buy it and, you know, I assume it has a limited use for obvious reasons. If you lick one side, it tastes like fruit. If you lick the other, it's Come paste. Come on, lick the wallpaper. <laughs> it's paste and you'll die. Don't mix those two up. Um, Another person died yesterday in a tragic lickable wallpaper accident. I just, I feel like this movie, my my problem with this not getting nominated is that four years before it, District 9 got nominated. Yeah. And this is a 10 million times better film than District 9. I mean, I was one of the There's only people... There's just so many scenes in it, too, that are Oscar bait. 
Wilfred's speech, Tilda Swinton's Curtis's speech, speech, Curtis's on, speech. I know what people taste like. Oh my god, you slipped into a whole different voice there, and it kind of freaked me out. I think you f- you you threw your voice for a minute. Because <laughs> I, I was what like, people taste like. <laughs> what did it sound like? <laughs> did it, it sound like Bob Cat? Like coming from a different direction. I was like, what? <laughs> is, is Chris Evans right behind me? <laughs> No, it's it's Bob Gagolin. No, I'm kind of crazy. Never do his voice in my presence again. <laughs> do you want me to do uh, my impression of Lee that I did on the other? Yes. I guess <laughs> doing Dennis Miller. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. It's me. It's me. Going or back to Saskatoon. Cha cha. Hey, Scott. It's me. Oh, hi, David Lynch. Hi, David Lynch. This- I'm in the front of the train. Where are you? The, this I this was originally pitched to David Lynch. You're supposed to say you're in the back of the train. Oh, I'm in the back of the train, David Lynch. How's the back of the train, David Lynch? There's cockroach pills. I mean, bars. That's nice. <laughs> no, but the, this I'm I'm shocked that that David Lynch did not make this movie. How wouldn't do we know that he didn't? No, he turned it down. He was, he was in the front of the train all along. He was offered. Taylor, are you okay? He's like tucked in here. Yeah, she always does that. I know. I feel, I feel like the child catcher. <laughs> She's just like take smuggled out, t- away in my robes. Take away, take out that long that that tape tape measure she has is was ridiculous. Because if have I you have ever expected her to just like lick her lips and be like practically perfect in every way. Well, no, but tape measures like that. Do you know how impossible it is to fold back up? Oh, the, um, those are, like, that's, those are sewing, uh, measuring tapes, though. Yeah, I know, and they're in... No, you can find those still. Oh. You can find those anywhere, and they, they do zip right back up. Well, Mary Poppins, she ain't. But once again, this, this is, like, that whole argument for films that get snubbed, that, you have to be a comedy or a drama. You can't be a horror movie. You can't be a sci-fi movie. Like, like that's why. Well, this is such a blend. Well, it is sci-fi, but it's no. This it's, is this is blade in sci-fi. Like that's why is, I was shocked when Mad Max so, Fury Road like, got nominated. There's a lot of like. Well, then again, all sci-fi is is like social commentary that just recycled in a creative way. Yeah, you've way. never seen an episode of Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, it's like Black Mirror for me. I can't do it. I'll lie awake at night just staring at the ceiling. Th- there's one episode of Black Mirror that I think you could watch. The USS That's Callister. what you told me about the one with Donald Gleason. Well, because you love Donald Gleason. I totally forgot. Yeah, but you didn't tell me it was going to end in like a river of sadness. But I, I feel like there are two that you could watch that and you Haley's would like. And Haley's heart broke twice that day. You could watch the USS Callister one because that's the Star Trek one. Can I? Yeah, I think you can. And then San Junipero is one of the best episodes. Uh, And Hang the DJ is pretty good, too. I don't know. I have have such distrust. Um, Anyway, enough of my love of Black Mirror. Um, I feel like this is just another example of not giving 
different genres a fair shot i mean they almost didn't nominate get out because they didn't feel that it was well i was gonna say they created like oh, well no, no they, they didn't, didn't. Create, no but they wedged it in there with they, the chimney sweeps they brush. tried to create a popular movie yeah like most popular i culture. thought they were doing that no because too many people revolted they tried to do that so that black panther would win an oscar they tried to create that specifically for black panther I, f- I feel like there does have to be like a wild card category though, because we've got so many movies that just like are so good, but well, they're, okay. they're, they're fitting that mold less and less. Well, back in the day, what they used to do is what the Hollywood foreign press does at the Golden Globes. They had best, best drama mm-hmm. and best comedy. So I'm just saying, like, bring that back. Split it up in the categories. And, and it can be, like, best drama. Dramedy? No, drama or action or comedy musical. Like, Well, they did have comedy musical, and that's what they wedged. Uh, uh, that's the Golden Globes they wedged Get Out into. Oh. Um, I don't get that at all, but yeah. okay. But I, I still I still think that films that are of a sci-fi nature or Mm -hmm. a dystopian nature i thought that they would do it more ever since like mad max fury road got nominated but they didn't Mm. and this is one of those films that that it should have been nominated the the writing is perfect it's a perfect story yeah the story is perfect it's i don't think i even have to say how many bagels because to me this, this is, is this 13. is perfect. This is a perfect thirteen. Like like it it's funny in the right moments. It's sad in the right moments. It's terrifying as soon as they get into the classroom. The, the <laughs> message still applies. I yeah, believe. Like, like we're you destroying can really the earth. Apply this, you know, in in so many ways. Now, what um, I'll ask you is, do you subscribe to that film theory? The Willy Wonka one. Yeah. I mean. And that's all the time we have. <laughs> no, come on. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I'm still. I watched all of those I mean, videos back to back, and I went down a rabbit kind hole. of inspired by everything, you know. It just seems too coincidental. Like it just, the fact that the W's look like that. Okay, but- listen. I I see. I buy the whole conspiracy with. Um, also, Wilfred's cabin looks like a chocolate bar. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. In what does. way does it look like a chocolate bar? Do I need to pull up a picture of it? No, you don't need. It's it's, it's covered got, in chrome. It's covered in mahogany wood. That that looks like a chocolate. I think in terms of like aesthetic, maybe Bong Joon Ho like took a few notes and uh, as well as like again it's it's like a terrarium like for sadness and death <laughs> but but like lit- but literally he's, I mean you have to look at similar instances of a closed system and a closed well a closed ecosystem and I think Willy Wonka was just the like the the perfect the perfect inspiration for that for this right i mean with what with the the vision that he had it just closely fit but i don't necessarily think 
it is meant to be a sequel. Now, originally, Mason, played by Tilda Swinton, was written as a man. Okay. And it was John C. Riley who was originally cast, and he dropped out. He had to drop out to do Kong Skull Island. I'm, yeah, but I'm so glad it was Tilda Swinton. Yeah, because... I really like the fact that they do refer to her like as a man. I like that she is dressed like in like um, like general uh, uh, yeah regalia, almost reminiscent of a general. She, like it like a train conductor, but also like a ship captain. It's this weird like I mean mesh you, of the two. You could also like if you're gonna do a film theory, you could theorize that her great grandson is General Hux because they're very similar characters. Okay, now you you just. That's a huge leap. <laughs> Just their speeches. We leave that republic. Especially since she dies. Well, we haven't seen the third episode nine yet. Who knows what happens to Hux? For all we know, he could go to the good side. I thought Hux is dead. No, Hux is still alive. Oh, somehow. Donald Gleason <laughs> is still alive. Oh, yeah, that's Snoke right. Snoke is that's dead. Right. Spoilers for Last Jedi, but everyone hated Last Jedi, which I don't understand. I thought it was great. Now they're all they're they're gonna come after us now in droves. No, we've said before on this podcast that we like the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just don't like repeating it. I don't like inviting that negativity into my life. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the best Star Wars film. That would be Empire Strikes Back. I'm I I I enjoy the fact that it's it's you know I mean they say it in in the in the movie you know kill the past. Break free of the original, you know, constraints. I'm just, I'm just saying this fake film theory so that we could have Donald Gleason and Tilda Swinton be related somehow. <laughs> I would love to see a movie with those two together. Mm. So as we come to the end, uh, is there anything else you want to end? No, end? I mean we agree this. This is a perfect thirteen. This is a dozen. Like how yeah. how they meticulously wrote this and I got a Bakerism with this thirteen. Yeah. Then why did you say perfect 12? I thought I said 13. No, you said 12. I'll have to go back and listen. But yes, this is the perfect <laughs> 13. Okay. Um, I, ju- I feel like this film is perfect. It's meticulous. It's yep. well directed. There's still like there's still going to be things you notice later, no matter how many times you watch this. There's going to be like little details that you just, you know, skipped over. And it's very entertaining. It's it it is violent, but I wouldn't say any more so than other movies I've seen. Also, the th- the thing that boggles my mind is that John Hurt and Tilda Swinton filmed this at the same exact time that they were doing Only Lovers Left Alive. I can see that. Like that must have been a nice, actually relaxing break for them. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna talk peacefully in this Jim Jarmusch movie. <laughs> I still love that movie. Same year. This came out the same year. Mm. I mean, there were at least two Tilda Swinton movies that should have been nominated for Best Picture that got snubbed. Because we could have done Only Lovers Left Alive, but I, f- I feel this was the better movie to do. It was, yeah. Like, I, I do love Only Lovers Left Alive, but I... It's a, it's a good movie, but it's not, like, on this level. Who knows? That movie could come back in February for Isn't It Romantic Month. Isn't it? Um, you so mean an example of a good vampire romance movie? Yes. <laughs> no one's named Renesme. 
Excuse me. I have to go throw up. No, you're not. You don't want to leave that puppy. (laughs) So. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for being here. You're always welcome. Thank you, sweetie. (laughs) So uh, I will come back anytime. (laughs) Coming up because I live here. (laughs) Coming up next for this was nominated. I'm gonna leave it up to you, the audience. I'm gonna do a poll vote. Which one should we do next? Should we do extremely loud and incredibly close, or crash? I have no. Crash, as crash. in the the Paul Haggis 2005 movie about racism, not the David Cronenberg movie about people who get into car accidents and have sex. I know neither of those films. You don't know the... You don't know Crash? You don't get to be surprised anymore by <laughs> my lack of knowledge. You don't get to be surprised. <laughs> those those days are done. <laughs> I, will, I will say this, that... Extremely, they're both going to be done, but which one would you like to see us do first? Crash or Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close? I will say that for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, I will be doing Tom Hanks impressions the entire time. And oh, for, well, then that one, obviously. No, but for Crash, I'm going to do Matt Dillon impressions the Who's entire time. Who's Matt Dillon? Uh, Matt Dillon, he talks like this. He was in... Uh, Tom Hanks impressions it is. He was in There's Something About Mary. I feel like Tom Hanks is the winner. Oh, come on. <laughs> There's a snake in my boot. Okay, for a second I thought we were back to David Lynch. Very similar. How shall we end the podcast, David? (laughs) Ah, bye. Bye.